as though he himself <laughs> has executed a raid <laughs> that compromised and killed Osama bin Laden. Iron Brains, a podcast that believes two perhaps seemingly contradictory things. One, that physical determinism is a central and unavoidable law of the universe. And two, that nothing really is meant to be. A podcast that further believes that coming to terms with the truth of these two things would bring a lot of people a lot of peace out there in the world. Everything just sort of is. But there is no plan. Nature has no plan. The earth has no plan. God has no plan. Or if he does, it certainly cannot be understood to be a very good plan by any reasonable measure. Grand gestures will not automatically produce the right outcome. This subset of magical thinking that we might call providential thinking has never achieved anything for anyone besides a long series of false positives. People just living their whole lives with the mistaken apprehension that whatever happened had to happen or wouldn't have happened but for such and such or so and so. Correlation? Causation? What's the difference? But what difference does it make if it brings you some comfort? I don't know. Maybe it's best to leave it alone. Maybe the mistake is in assuming it matters at all. My name is Bob, sitting across the way from my good friend and co-host. That's Abe. How you doing tonight, Abe? Doing well, Bob. Yeah, here we are. Lori's here, too. How are you doing, Lori? I'm good. I'm glad that... My name's not on the podcast. When you say a podcast that blah, 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 I can just go, oh, that's not me. This doesn't apply to me at all. Nobody really believes it applies to Abe either. <laughs> that's right. That'll be my argument when things fall apart. That's right. Today is Monday, May 3rd, 2021. Already out of April. That was a fast month. <laughs> Man, what a fast month. Here we are. Practically the middle of April already. Next Sunday is Mother's Day. Before we know it, it'll be Memorial Day. The pandemic will be over. Father's Day full. means I get I get to hit the strip clubs, Abe says. <laughs> and then the summer. It's, it is four weeks from Memorial Day. Four Did you weeks. just say it was the middle of April now? Did we get back into April? No, it says practically the middle of May. That's not what you said. Uh, and the tape, no, you'll find no, out when you hear it. It's Tape fine. doesn't lie. <laughs> How was your weekend, Abe? It was good. We uh, did the recording of the podcast with all the people in person. And oh, uh, afterward, we went to the Atlanta Hawks game. There was a. Oh, yeah? Nice. Li- it was a limited capacity kind of thing. For now. For now. How many people were in the arena? What do they call that place now? It used to be Phillips. State Farm, I think, is now okay. the naming rights. What's odd, the day before, we we got a, a tour as prospective season ticket buyers. We weren't. Oh, yeah? Ooh. Who said we had a... <laughs> Urban did. So the, the whole ruse was that we were on the mar- market for getting full season tickets. I did not 
know this, you know. This was a free tour. I mean, they show you the whole place and how it was actually nice. Yeah, but it's sort of That's like really it's sort cool. of like going to the Mercedes dealership when you only have the budget for a Kia and saying, let me test drive the big uh, M600 right. or whatever. Right. When the, I, the reality of the situation is you're not about to spend five grand or ten grand on Hawks season tickets. Right. And since I didn't set this up, I was just kind of joining. I didn't have any qualms about that whole thing. I was thinking maybe it would be like some sort of uh, hard sell. Like a timeshare thing? Yeah, timeshare thing. Yeah. Do you now, are you a season ticket holder for the Hawks now? <laughs> I wanted to, to at some point say, like, remember that? Uh, Chris Rock, uh, he had like a bit where like uh, he just wanted one rib, like he was so poor. He, he, <laughs> I think it was like New Jack City or some movie. He basically, just show up for one ticket, you know. Let, let me uh, just buy like the fourth quarter of this game in July. <laughs> How much for that? <laughs> after the whole uh, spiel, at least one person is considering doing a full season ticket. Uh, that's not me. I'll, I'll do a ten game. Wait, wait. Did they say to you personally afterwards that that's what they're considering, or did they say that to the salesperson who was to giving the you the guided person, tour? The, yeah, yeah. The so that's not going to happen. No, 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 no. This, to the salesperson, basically, we tempered their expectation. Like, uh, probably not going to do any fancy thing. We'll get the nosebleeds and maybe for 10 games, you know. Uh, and then when one of the people went home, they talked it over with the wife, and they're like, oh, let's do full season, two tickets. Take the kids wow. out, sell. I mean, nothing will probably come of it, but at least the sales pitch worked. I don't know how it came up, but someone shamelessly mentioned that uh, we do a podcast. And it's like, oh, you guys can, uh, you know, give away tickets to your fans. Yeah, like, a little we don't cross-promotional. Yeah. We don't have any fans. <laughs> <laughs> so on, I just will quickly mention, on game day, on, on Saturday, they do two things that I don't understand why. First... There's this is definitely some sort of scam, but they make you download a an app like a clear app for like health reasons, right? But all you're doing is just you're pressing buttons. No, I'm not COVID. No, I don't have COVID. No, I haven't been around COVID. And COVID here's my never heard of her. Yeah. So clear, clear is like this this ID company, right? Yeah. And th- do they take a picture of your driver's license and like all of that stuff? So there, there must be some clear light version of it because the, the one that they told us to use, uh, basically they had like a scan code thing. You, you use your phone and you basically answer a couple of questions in the negative and then you go in. No one confirms anything. I didn't even show anybody. I just verbally said I did it. And they're like, okay. You've definitely done – you've given over some sort of data to the data mongers right, that you're going to regret someday. Yeah. But this whole thing is a ruse just so they can gather whatever evidence, right? Right. So terrible because it didn't prevent anything. They didn't do anything. Anyways, that wasn't even the worst of it. When we get inside, this is uh, 25% capacity. Let's say, I don't know, there's like 5,000 people spread out throughout the whole arena, right? A lot of elbow room. So were you no able problem. to buy how – many, how many were you? There were four of us. So and you can buy a you can buy four seats in a row without any objection. They don't make you buy them in like two and two or something like that. No, so they have they, – they kind of have taken that into consideration. So they have like a, a good number of two-person seats, four-person okay. seats, six-person seats, that kind of thing. And they have a few like one-person seat, you know, in case you want to go to the Hawks <laughs> Everybody can point and laugh at that <laughs> section. Yeah. That's right. And they zip-tie any unused seat so he can't pretend, oh, the, you know, they're in the, right. in the crapper. You know, they'll know. They do that just for the kiss cam thing, I'm sure. So this is – okay. You know these goofy – Sporting events, they always they can't leave people to themselves, right? They need to have some sort of entertainment when there's no play on the field or on the court. So 
Kiss Cam is one of them. The three-point contest. Sometimes they'll have, like, babies crawling across the court to see which kid. <laughs> oh, baby races? They do yeah. baby races? Oh, yeah. They do all kinds of things. That On seems this potentially particular... <laughs> very problematic. But also, the kids sometimes, sometimes don't respond to things. Sometimes they'll have babies crawling. They're, they're trying to get the, you know, with whatever. Anything that makes noise or moves. And the kids just stop halfway. Anyways, right. that's not what they did this night. So... Tonight, uh, the, the night that I went, they were doing the three point, the the half court shot. You win like I don't know, fifty grand if you make it. Like a random fan pulled from the. A random fan pulled from the fan, and so they go to that, and I'm like, look, I know we got no beat seats, but what's on the TV does not match with what's on the court. There's nothing happening on the court. This is a taped segment. They did a taped segment. And they did three of those segments. There was another thing where it was like a. Some sort of egg, like shell thing, like that. Which hat is the thing on? Or right, I forget right, right. what else there were. There were a couple of segments where nothing was happening on the court, and it was all taped. They were so unashamed by their taped segment sham that they stopped it halfway through the the mid court shot to say, "Will he make it or won't God. he make it?" <laughs> and the audience, instead of booing like they should have done for this fraud. They're like, oh, he's going to make it or whatever. Like, I was like, how is this a thing? Who, so was this who, a pre-taped segment with someone who was currently in the audience? Or is this just some random from like last May or whatever that they had? We'll never in know. The... That's our thing. That's why it's a sham. Because they didn't like show the person like, oh, they're sitting over there now. Right. It just happened. And I don't even know what happened. I was so upset. I don't even know if he made it or not. But <laughs> this doesn't count. It's a whole stupid thing. Just... You should write this into a very long email that you send to the manager of Phillips Arena or State Farm or whatever they call it now and say, sir, I was on a tour on Friday evening, very seriously considering buying a full season ticket package that I would advertise for free, basically, on my very popular Atlanta-centric podcast that I have with my buddies. But... But... The deal breaker. Yeah. Terrible. Terrible. But other, you know, the game Is was... that the outrage you wanted to make sure that we got to at the top of the yes, show? Yes, very important. Okay. Was, okay. Yes, was obviously. Seething. It's, it's not sure. boring. Oh, you said important. Oh, very important. Yeah, very important. Yeah. Well, while you were being outraged from the nosebleeds <laughs> of Phillips Arena, I was sitting on my couch feeling like I'd just been hit by a truck on Saturday night. Because on Saturday morning, Lori and I drove to Lynchburg to get our second COVID vaccine shot. Is this the same location as the first? Yes. Yeah. So we tried. We didn't try. I did. We, I, yes. I tried without breaking any rules to get the shots scheduled for here in Charlottesville. And I called up the health department. I checked online. It appears that there are vaccine slots available for the vaccine that I need. Can I schedule that here locally? And he said, uh, do you have an appointment scheduled for anywhere else right now? And I said, nope. And he said, yeah, but you said that you got the first shot in Lynchburg. I said, yep. He's like, they didn't give you an appointment. I said, no, we can just show up whenever we want after such and such a date. He's like, oh, you should go ahead and schedule that. And then I'm supposed to tell you that you can't break the scheduled appointment for the one in Lynchburg. Uh, in order to do it in Charlottesville, and I and I said, so I need to, I need to go ahead and schedule that so that you can then tell me that I can't change it. 
And he said, yep. And he was laughing. And I said, okay. And I was laughing. And uh, we both understood how stupid it was, but that was the situation. And then the same thing happened. Trying to schedule them here in Charlottesville at any of the local pharmacies, you could schedule it as a first vaccination, but you're not permitted to schedule second vaccinations. You're supposed to only be able to do that as a result of having gotten the first one. Meanwhile, the people in real life that I talked to that got their first shots other places just walked up to the one here and they were fine. Yeah. Maybe just don't yeah, call. Just show up. We probably could have done that. but We probably could have done that. Then but we also, wouldn't have it was fine. have had the fun adventure of, yeah. you know. We had an adventure. Driving down to Lynchburg, letting something important fall out of my pocket and losing it there. Yeah. Bob, Bob did something that if I had done it, he would have been so mad at me and disappointed. But he did and he was just like, ah, darn. Did you lose your coin purse? What happened? <laughs> I, I dropped a, a check. It's not important. Lori is exaggerating how upset I would have been had she done it. I wouldn't have been upset at all. Maybe it you just... would have acted upset then? Whatever. <laughs> the point of the story is that by the time we're driving home, I already have a sore arm, but I was not too worried about it because I, also I had a point sore out, arm last time. Bob decided to exercise before his shot, not after, for some mm. reason, which is like the wrong way to do it. We get home. It's a fine. I'm starting to feel maybe a little bit lethargic. But then, as I'm trying to remember, I don't think that I was having a bad time by the time the Kentucky Derby happened. That's um, like 6, 630 And that was like 6.30 or something like that. But by the time we put the kids to bed... Yeah, it was right at bedtime. I was starting to feel bad. So that was like 8.30. And then by the time I made it from like putting the kids to bed to sitting on the couch, it was like, oh, holy shit. This is going to be... Very unpleasant. What were the symptoms? So, like, radiating pain... We had separate symptoms. ...in my right arm, but also radiating pain in my right buttocks for some huh. reason. That's like, a new like symptom. There's probably a lymph node there. Yeah. Very specific to that area before it then became everywhere. Like, it went from being very bad in those two spots, and then it was just everything, such that... By like 9.30 or 10 o'clock, when the cat jumped on the couch behind me, where like she likes to sit while we're sitting around watching TV or whatever, mm-hmm. and she rubbed, like just, just a little bit of her fur rubbed on the back of my neck, and it was like painful. Oh, wow. Like it was, it was that level of body discomfort that was going on. Like we were both running a fever. Lori's fever was a little higher than mine, I think, but it felt, hot- like I'd been, it felt like I'd been run over by a truck and was recovering from that. It was just, it was this bizarre feeling of having a really bad flu where just every single part of exposed skin on your body doesn't want to be touched. My skin was super sensitive. And everything hurts and aches. And then I got this headache that started in like the base of my neck and went up my, the back of my skull. It was just incredibly unpleasant. I don't think that I felt that bad physically in a whole body sort of way since like, 2010 when I had when I when we got swine flu that was 2009 2009 whatever it was what was the we fever nothing. Like, how high I didn't was get it? swine flu you got I swine got swine flu. flu I think Abe may, might have gotten swine flu as I recall and I know that uh no Andy oh, did Andy got swine flu yeah I got it and the rest I think is you history did. I'm pretty sure that you did oh, as I recall God. I had crazy chills. All of my clothes and two blankets, and I was still cold. And if a tiny little bit of air got to me, it was just like, no. It was just, yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So Lori spent the entire night grabbing all of the comforter and blankets and, and rolling herself in a burrito over and over again. Believing for some reason that I didn't have that I had all of the covers. I thought he had all of them, but she didn't. I had like I almost by the came end of in the here night, to sleep. I almost went to the guest by the room. end of the night. I had no covers, and Lori was just wrapped in the so comforter like cold. a burrito. It was terrible. <laughs> and yeah, everything hurt, and I had a fever. Whatever. It was not fun, and I woke up the next day, and it wasn't as like the worst of it was definitely going to bed on Saturday night, but Sunday wasn't much better. Uh, especially after this, what was mostly a sleepless night of tossing and turning. And also, you couldn't sleep through it? No. No. Sleep did not no. happen. Sleep barely got any better last night, but I slept more last night than I did the night before. But I, I slept s- a bunch last night. I sweat through the entire but night, But I took too. Advil before bed, and Bob didn't. It's not true. I did, in fact, take Advil oh, before bed. Does does water help in, at all in this situation? Can you- if it does, then it's like saved my life because yeah, drank I drank so much so water. Much water <laughs> okay. That like either it made it worse or it saved my life. I, I have no idea, no way of knowing which it did. Don't think it made it worse. It might have made it worse for all we I, know. We can, I can cannot say otherwise. I. Uh, but yeah, uh, and then yesterday was just sort of a bad headache. Today. I mean, today it was just sort of a bad headache. We're still in today. And the and the sore the soreness was fading. So you're still not at a hundred percent, Laura. You're basically back to full. I'm. Yeah, I'm really tired tonight. But okay. I don't know how different that is from being alive and doing my stupid job. My arm doesn't re- like unless it's banged on like a client did today. Like, hey, good job, and they just smacked my arm. It's like, right. yeah, but you glad know, to see you. As bad as the experience sounds, at least you know that the vaccine is working. Like, if it weren't for well, my positive test, I wouldn't know that. It was kind of cool in a way to expect a thing and have it happen right it's like yeah. oh let's see how this goes like it was interesting it yeah. sucked but it was interesting to feel all those things and not actually be sick because right. normally when i feel all those things it's like oh what's wrong with me it's like no i know it's just from the it's shot just, yeah but, right i mean right. effect yeah, in a philosophical sort of way it the effective difference is none right like you say that to know that i'm not sick but we were to physically experience all of the symptoms of your body trying to fight off an invading thing is the exact same thing as being sick it's as far as me. an experience right, but goes. No, okay. because when you're sick, sometimes you need an antibiotic or there is a virus that your body is attacking. In this case, it was a pretend virus. <laughs> like, I right. like it. Although your body doesn't know that, right? It's just thinking that it's reacting to something. Something is wrong. Yeah, but I know that. Yeah. Stupid body. <laughs> That's what I was telling my body all night. Like, don't. It's nice. So, it's being nice. This is for you. I do wonder, as a result of this, and we can sort of transition here into WGAS, who gives a shit news, because uh, the New York Times today put out a thing that uh, we're unlikely as a country to reach herd immunity because in part because some 30% of adults just say that they're not going to get it at any point here in the immediate or foreseeable future, which is to say they're not going to get the uh, the vaccine. And what that means is that there's a really reasonable chance that, and really, even if those 30% all decided they were going to get vaccinated, it doesn't necessarily solve the problem. But because such a large portion of the population is not interested in getting this vaccine, 
at this point, it's likely that we're going to be living with this. We might not be living with this in a, a pandemic sort of way, but it will be endemic. It will be just sort of part of life for the foreseeable future. And I wonder, because this uh, these vaccines do not confer upon the receiver any sort of permanent immunity, certainly. Not as far as they know. Right, so far as they know. And there's a belief, uh, unproven to this point, but the belief is that, I think it was the Pfizer one that I first saw this about, but it might be the other ones too, that you're going to need a booster as early as six months from now if you've recently received the vaccine. Now, and on that front, is it mostly just getting ahead of it and, and uh, strategizing in the event that they do need it, they want to figure that out logistically as far as the, the number of vaccines that they'll need? Because they haven't definitively said that that's going to be needed. They say well, there's no reason. there's no reason to believe that you're going to have some sort of permanent immunity to A or any coronavirus, never mind this one, that it, it behaves enough like the flu, essentially. That that's why there's no cure for the cold, right. like a common yeah. cold. Yeah. It's not, it's not so much that it will mutate in such a way that we won't necessarily be able to handle it, but just that the body forgets how to do the thing that we want it to do in order Again, to fight off the virus. stupid body. Right. But, you know, the common flu, from what I gather, is a sneaky little shit. You know, like the vaccines, they have to every year come up with a new one, and sometimes they'll take a guess and it's 50% effective, sometimes right. less, sometimes more. For most of the one vaccines that have been approved for this coronavirus it's been fairly effective even with the most of the variants it's been fairly so it seems like it's a much more predictable virus than yeah i read something today about how we're kind of lucky in the sense that this particular coronavirus doesn't seem to want to branch out in wacky and crazy ways that it's following a fairly predictable path in terms of the way that it's mutated so far which has given it the vaccines that they've come up with like it hasn't escaped this one particular spike protein that it rides in on right. and therefore all of the vaccines seem to have a similar have a, a similar effect on the variants that they do on the uh, on the OG virus and without worrying too much about the sociology of uh, tens of millions of Americans deciding that they don't want to get the vaccine in terms of practical reality that means that in 6 months I have to decide if I want to get the Moderna booster or not right well, or do you have to get Moderna or can you get Pfizer after a time? And do you I'm sure that it's not like also yeah. who knows? But the point is is that I had a very unpleasant reaction oh, to I this see what yeah. second shot. And no matter how much I might want to do the right thing, whatever the right thing can be said to be in a situation like this, how many people are going to be willing to put up with the day and a half to two days of extreme unpleasantness in terms of a reaction to the vaccine every six months. Like that, like that's not something that I want to endure so every six months. If it, if it just so happens that that's how my body reacts. I, like I said to people today, or maybe you just now feeling that way sucks, but at least I knew it was coming. Like I would way rather do that than be planning something important or good and suddenly become sick. Right. 
give me a vaccine. Let me control when I feel that way. Yeah, but if that's the case, that is an unpleasant new facet of our reality. <laughs> like every, that's fine. Every I'm six into months it, we as have always. To, every and six I, months, we have to take a weekend and feel like we got hit by a truck. Like but that's, also, that's what reality was before anyway. Except it maybe it wasn't a weekend every six months, but it was like two weeks for the entire winter. Right. I'm not trying to downplay how bad an actual illness can be, but the idea that healthy and relatively low-risk individuals are just going to sign up to potentially feel like I felt for the last 36 to 48 hours right. uh, out of some perceived like social good that that helps protect everyone else like i don't buy it like people are going to have there's going to have to be a pretty serious incentive structure in place like to the point where i think you're going to have to pay people to get this vaccine in an ongoing way if you want them to do it i would imagine if there does need to be a booster kind of thing it would be a yearly thing you're saying that there's word out there that every 6 know. months so i take something in the fall and take something in the spring also like yeah because this thing doesn't – it doesn't have a season the way that the flu does, right? It just seems but, uh, to, it seems to persist I mean, regardless. Right. So to, but, the, to, the extent that, to the extent that it struggles in terms of being out, out of doors, right, and in, in big open spaces, yeah, there might be a small seasonal effect. But if there's anything that we can see from what's happened in China and India and – or not even China, but Brazil and India and also the pattern of it and how it happened in the United States, the peaks, they sort of semi-correlate to weather, but but they don't really, right? It's not because of – basically it's what the behaviors that people yeah. follow – because it's cold, that they're closer to one another, and then right. it spreads that way. I just don't think that – I don't think it's realistic if people are going to have to get a booster shot every six months that we can expect. And I don't know. I don't know. And, of course, there's no way to know because nobody at this point has gotten the vaccine and then six months later gotten the booster for the vaccine, which if the – mRNA vaccines are any indication, the so-called booster would just be another shot that would be the same exact thing as the vaccine you got the first time. And I don't know if it's just random luck that I got uh, had a bad reaction to it. Well, and there's a thinking of like, we got this second booster so quickly because we need to get everybody as immune as we can. But maybe if we'd gotten this second shot in six months, because the first one was fine. Right. You know, maybe it was because it was so, like how babies, when you get babies their shots, they're all cranky because they're getting them, you know, all close together. In other countries, they, 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 they have a longer period in between the first and the second. Basically, they're trying to get more people to get their first dose. Yeah. So they'll say 12 weeks instead of four weeks, right. you know. Yeah. And maybe that would be better. Although I do – maybe we just don't have the numbers yet. And by the way, I will say – a lot of the percentages that they show, it's like, oh, only 30% of blah, blah, blah have received their full vaccine. And that doesn't sound as good. But when I, like over 100 million Americans ha are now fully vaccinated, more than 100 million. Right. And that's, as of today, probably in excess of 150 million people have gotten at least one dose of the that's vaccine. That's remarkable. And if you compare that to like 70 million of those Full of, all Americans are not even eligible, right? I mean, the young kids, I think they're going right. to improve 12 to 15-year-olds at some point. But Yeah, very soon, they said. Yeah, based on the eligible population, it's actually, considering how obnoxious people are about things, it's actually not a bad uh, a feat, you know, in the last, like, four months or so, five months, you yeah. have this many people. And then 
a likely, I don't know, untold number of people have gotten the natural infection and didn't get the vaccine. Like, you know, there are people like me who've gotten both, but there are those right. out there who have gotten infected yeah. and never and never got the vaccine. And so at least, you know, it's not going to be forever, but at least through the summer, they'll be protected and maybe they'll get get it, you know, get infected in the fall or winter. But it's actually not a bad number. We're doing a little better than I thought. If what that worst case scenario that you present, Bob, happens, then I could see people being hesitant. And so I wonder... Of all of the people that have received both doses, how many of them have had a reaction and how many of them have had no reaction at all? Because maybe it's 70, 30, you know, 30% people get a bad reaction. I don't think it's as, it's the majority, you know, I think most people have very mild or non And they're saying, I think older people don't have as bad reactions. Yeah. My folks didn't have any reaction. I didn't get a reaction. A lot of people didn't get any reaction. Yeah. Again, I don't know how common my experience is. I don't know if it necessarily will repeat if I have to get another shot. There's obviously no way of knowing that at this point. Right. I don't know if I'm just somehow naturally more susceptible to it or something about my current physical state on this weekend happened to promote that particular bad reaction. I mean, we had very similar reactions, which is interesting. Yeah, yeah. we did. We were both fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> <it was> bad. <laughs> But what I what I know is that my I mean I don't even want to call it hesitancy, but my I would have more reluctance in six months than I otherwise would have had if I had not just had right. this really unpleasant weekend. Once bitten, twice shy, right? Sure, and it, I would. It's just that if and if that's the reaction that I'm having, and right. as right. as someone who considers himself relatively rational and and reasonable about these sorts of situations, then I would expect that the reaction of a lot of other people would be more more extreme uh, right. in, in rejecting the vaccine. Right. I suspect if people have to get the boosters and they had a bad experience with the second dose, or even if the, the first dose, they may think twice, like, ah, oh, you know what? Fuck it. I'm going to trust right, But it. also, if we're, gonna, if we're never going to actually beat it, if we're never actually going to fully end this in, a, in any sort of way, then like, it just becomes something that we have to live with, right? It's right. Sort of, it becomes another kind of thing that's like the flu where sometimes you get sick and i don't know what that means and like there's a uh, the town of brookline massachusetts passed something in the last couple of days that rejected the cdc's call to end outdoor masking for people who are vaccinated so they they, want to continue it they contradicted the cdc saying that here in brookline which according to the thing that i read is one of the most educated enclaves in the entire country. Like, it's just outside of Boston. There's a lot of really smart, rich people there. And the town there has decided that if you're going to be outside here in Brookline, you're going to wear a mask. And that is in direct contradiction of CDC guidance. And if that's the sort of world that we're headed into, where this thing is permanent and constant in an ongoing sort of way... Like, I don't know. Like, it, you, you, we can basically declare victory on Memorial Day or on July 4th or whenever it is that we want to declare victory. But what does the world look like six months from now or a year from now in terms of the virus? I don't know. Right. I mean, I, I think those examples of those cities and towns are outliers because most places are not heading in that direction. What was it? New York, New Jersey, Connecticut, the tri state people. They came out with uh, May 19th as like most of the places fully reopen, even right. though they throw in some weird caveats where you still have to socially distance. But basically, 
just like what's going to happen with uh, here in Atlanta, at the end of this week, the Atlanta Braves are going 100% a week after the Atlanta United, which is actually so even a worse ver- situation. Very, op- very optimistic, by the way, for the Braves that they're going to be at 100% capacity. <laughs> well, they'll be at 100% Friday and then back to the regular, you know. I think right. back back to about 40% on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I think on Friday, people just so they can go out will go, but you're right. So you have here in, in Atlanta relaxing the rules. Those three states, they're relaxing a lot of the rules. Out west, I think nobody, they reported no deaths in L.A. County, which was a hot spot at some point. So I think more places are going to be that than Brookline. Although I have heard other towns doing similar things where – People are so overly cautious, which is kind of weird because I suspect the vaccination compliance is probably pretty high in that area. Right. So your relative risk is even lower than you would be like here in Atlanta. You know, I don't know how many people that I'm around have been vaccinated or not. Right. Well, we have our idiot geriatric president going out and insisting that wearing a mask is patriotic as recently as just a couple of days ago. And I... I don't know what that accomplishes besides calling it a virtue signal. Like it, it, what it is is it is just a, a sign of your political ideology at this point if you are insisting on wearing – or maybe a more generous reading is that these people just are genuinely confused about what is the best practices here, right? right. Because if, if it is the case that wearing a mask or two masks helps reduce the transmission of coronavirus, then there's no reason not to maybe in their thinking – uh, continue to wear the mask as long as the the thing is out there circulating. But I imagine what or okay, if you are vaccinated and you're in a place like again, I don't know the, the numbers, but I suspect Brookline sounds like a place where a lot of people, if they've had the opportunity to get the vaccine, they've taken that opportunity to get it. The chances of you getting, especially you know, outside, which is what this example is referencing, the chance of you getting it is so low that getting a mask on top of that are you really getting anything more i mean it's already a low risk as it is it's almost kind of like putting on a second condom it seems to be what's the point you're already going to get whatever protection you're going to get but i think it's like maybe it is like you're saying some sort of signaling thing uh like it's like an overly conscientious thing right but it's it's almost like oh i just care so much i care i just don't want to well just in case yeah, Justin, it can't hurt. It's just that the longer that that sort of thinking holds on, the more vociferous the anger will be about it from a certain segment of the other side. I mean, a couple of weeks ago or last week or something, Tucker Carlson went on television and demanded that if you see a child running around outside wearing a mask, that you must confront the parent and accuse that person of uh, perpetuating child abuse. Right. Upon the child, right? Like, and that is an, a dumb and extreme example of what I'm talking about. But the fact remains that people are going, and apparently, on in New York City, I just saw this headline before we came out today. Some Asian lady is wearing a mask, and somebody runs up to her with a hammer and says, "Take off your mask." And when she fails to take off her mask, she bashes her in the head with a hammer. With a hammer. Yeah, with a hammer. I mean, it's, it almost certainly it was a crazy homeless person who did this. A um, hammer. You know how yeah. <laughs> rough it is to get hit by a hammer? She's in uh, stable. Almost as bad as getting a COVID vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> She's in stable condition, apparently. So Holy not, shit. Not to worry. But the point is, is that the longer that this goes on, the dumber the conversation is going to get about it from from seemingly all sides. And what's funny is that the 
the more extreme the reactions become, the more elevated they will become in the discourse, which is just a it's just a fact that you're going to even even as reality coalesces into a more reasonable position, you're going to have even more silly and extreme positions taken on either side, such as Brookline mandating masks outdoors now, even though the CDC says it's completely useless, and such as Tucker Carlson insisting that anybody who tells their kid to wear a mask outside is perpetuating a child abuse upon that child. Right. Let's see. We can move on to some other things. All right. So this is actually something that has bothered me for a few years here. Good. But is in the news again today. When I say in the news, I mean that uh, many thousands of people are talking about it on Twitter, a bad <laughs> website news. that should not exist. Yes. All right. So there was this picture posted on Twitter of a very, let's say, involved Starbucks order. Mm. It's just one drink, and it's got like... I don't know, 15 or 18 different ingredients. And then each of those ingredients has a different number of things. So it's like extra this or five pumps of that or three pours of this, like whatever the, the different obnoxious toppings that you can put into your Starbucks Frappuccino. Uh, This person on the app went crazy. And apparently this is something of a trend from the, uh, the website, uh, the TikTok. The, oh, the tick. The, that's an app. That's an, another app, the TikTok. That's uh, the kids use that, from what I get. And right. the grown-ups. Grown-ups too. But apparently, it's like a trending thing over on TikTok that you post your most annoying Starbucks order, not from the position of the poor barista who has to make it, but from the position of the obnoxious customer who now is inventing the most obnoxious possible Starbucks order possible. And my personal experience with this dates back, of course to the pizza days, which is that Domino's used to run this promotion. It was buy one, get one free online orders. And they would do this approximately once a quarter and they would try to line it up. I mean, whatever. I won't get into the... I remember doing something at Papa John's as well. Sure. Because I I worked there. I won't get into the marketing strategies of, of, (laughs) of Domino's, but... They would do this once a quarter, once every four, three or four months, and it would be whatever pizza you want to order online, you then get a second pizza for free. And so it's one thing to think in your head, oh, I'm going to order a pizza, and then you call up a place, and you place an order over the phone, and you're like, uh, what do we want to the room? It's like a pepperoni and sausage. Okay, fine. And then, okay, let me get a meat lovers or whatever, right. and and then we move on with our lives, right? Because that's a, that's a very friction-heavy interaction where it's you on the phone with another actual human being trying to figure out what you and your buddies are going to order for for dinner. When you put it all in an app or on a website and you've removed basically all of the friction from the experience, the opportunity to become obnoxious skyrockets. And (laughs) so we would get we would get orders at Domino's that would be so the their specialty pizza their the big one is called an extravaganza feast pizza right with so Tuesdays it's the one with eight different toppings it's like a, a so-called supreme pizza if you're right. more familiar with Pizza Hut or whatever but we would get an extra like a half extravaganza half meat pizza feast pizza but the extravaganza would have like seven different toppings removed from it right and like 15 or 17 different toppings added to it yeah yeah 
and then something else similarly obnoxious would happen on the other pizza. So you would look at this screen, which just comes in out of nowhere, right? So the order just materializes from the ether, which is the worst fucking way to find out that you have to work, right? It's, it's, you're, you're, you're just hanging out, doing That's your right. thing, and then no fair warning, up on the screen pops like, a completely indecipherable pizza that requires you to practically map out on a piece of separate paper exactly what it is the fuck you're supposed to be making. Right. Because you have in your head, you know how to make an extravaganza, and you know that on the phone somebody says, uh, but no black olives, but I want extra onions. It's like, okay, yeah, yeah. that's fucking reasonable. Yeah. I can do that. But if you take an extravaganza, which only has eight fucking toppings, and you take seven of those toppings away, right. and then because you're a moron, you add back like half of Some those of toppings, <laughs> but in but in triplicate. So it's like extravaganza feast minus pepperoni plus triple pepperoni. It's like, oh, God, what does this person want? <laughs> does this person know what they've done? And what fiendish cocksucker over at web development developed this thing in such a way that allows the removal of a topping and then adding right. it back in triplicate as though I'm supposed to figure out what that means. Right. Anyway, so you would take a pizza that would ordinarily take like 40 seconds to make tops because you've done it a thousand times. It's just a rote muscle memory thing, right? You don't even have to think about it. <laughs> and you look at me who's been doing pizza for a fucking decade at this point and you would see me just staring slack-jawed at the screen for like 45 <laughs> seconds. Like, what yeah. am I supposed to do first? Right. And, and like literally getting a piece of scratch paper out right. and writing down what actually needs to be done to this pizza. Right. Right? And then it's such a fucking fiasco of a yeah. pizza. It didn't come up. Yeah. It's, it's no, not good. It's not good. It's too many toppings. Yeah. No one's going to know whether or not you did it exactly right, right, which provides ample opportunity for anybody who's slightly less than 100% wowed to call you up on the phone or leave a one-star review in the app, which you then, in order to get your full salary, have to go and figure out why exactly you got the one star and right. try to convince them to change it to something else. I got off on a bit of a rant there. <laughs> a but little bit. It's not okay. This this ability that we've given the everyday asshole yeah. who who means no harm, right? Because in their head, they're just looking at the app and they're like, well, yeah, I like that, but I don't like that. And I would like extra of that. And then by the time they get to the end, it's like three pages worth of modifications that they've made to this thing. But they never have to look anybody in the face to, fig you, to, to realize what a dick they're being. Have you ever taken the opportunity in one of these situations to call a person and concoct a... Hey, some sort of computer glitch. Can you run back that order that you yeah. 100? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Way more than five or six times. Like regularly, I would get an order and I would call the person and have them walk, walk right. through it. Right. Because whatever, we could get into examples. But like I would so somebody would call up and they would order a pizza that is like a spinach Alfredo pizza or like where the sauce is like Alfredo sauce. Yeah. And then they take the Alfredo. So, so, so they order like a, let's, let's say they order a chicken bacon ranch pizza, right. which comes with a ranch based sauce. Right. And then they say, I want no of the ranch sauce. And instead, I want a barbecue sauce. Right. So they've ordered a chicken bacon ranch pizza. <laughs> But the effective outcome is that they've changed it into a chicken barbecue pizza, right? right? And so then it's like, 
this person absolutely thinks they're getting a chicken Alfredo pizza, but is going to be delivered a barbecue sauce pizza. There's, there's no way that that was the outcome that they wanted. Right. And so you'd call them up and you'd say, look, you ordered a chicken Alfredo pizza, but then you took the only thing of that pizza that, that makes that it makes Alfredo. It, yeah off of the pizza and wanted barbecue sauce instead. And you explain it to them. And they're like, oh, oh yeah, I just wanted barbecue chicken on the Alfredo pizza. It's like, no, 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 no. There's no such thing as barbecue chicken. We are a fucking dumpster fire of a of a pizza restaurant we get our chicken from a plastic bag and it doesn't matter like there's no there's no smoker out back dumbass we just have this sugary brown sauce that we pour on the bottom of the barbecue sauce pizza uh it's like no i want the alfredo pizza with the with the barbecue chicken it's like oh god damn it is it because the alfredo thing is on sale and they they're trying to shoehorn no because it's all just buy one get one free and that's, the, that's yeah. the most annoying part of it is that the thing that you dread ahead of time is that these people who would ordinarily be perfectly happy to just order a pepperoni pizza or a pizza feast pizza right. would then turn into these absolute monstrously entitled pricks right. who need their thing in exactly the right way. And the worst of it is that they still only paid like $18 for a fucking for two fucking large pizzas that you spent an extra 15 minutes on in the midst of getting absolutely hammered because it, it's like the busiest week of the year because Domino's only runs this promotion every so often. Would, would Domino's or any other company lose customers if they limited the customization you know to like a reasonable extent. i don't know because like one of the big marketing pushes from Domino's that you see on the boxes it's like there are 187,353 different pizzas that you can make with our menu combinations or whatever it's like a thing that they push right okay this thing this uh coffee is it frappuccino yeah, to whatever. get back to get back it's to the coffee like order coffee. yeah who is in like first of all are i mean not to I'm just reading some of the stuff. Five bananas? Like, that, like I have no idea what that means. <laughs> what I don't does that work mean? at Starbucks. But. They don't actually mean flavor. The fl- oh, squirts of it's like squirts, yeah, of, flavor. squirts of banana okay. flavor. So, do you think people are ordering this because they enjoy this perfect combination of stuff, or just just are they being dicks? I think people think that whatever's on the menu just isn't good enough, and that they can make it a little more special. But they're wrong. It tastes the same. Yeah, it's just too much stuff. At some point, it just kind of is counterproductive. You're adding too much stuff. Right. There's this. There's another one, and I'll post the links to the tweets in the in the show notes. Brainiron.com. Just find the show note, or in your podcast player, you can click on over to that. But there's one here that has. So there's a Starbucks order for one venti traditional misto or whatever. I don't so that's like half coffee and half milk. That's what I get. Half coffee, half milk. This has two pumps of vanilla. It has all of the different sweeteners. So it has equal, Splenda, Stevia, and sugar. It has three pumps of the honey goo, three pumps of caramel sauce, three pumps of caramel syrup, which I guess is different, Two pumps of classic syrup, four pumps of the toffee nut syrup, uh, one pump of the cinnamon something syrup, two pumps of white mocha, two pumps of raspberry syrup, four pumps of vanilla, one pump of something else, some nutmeg pump, like five different other pumps in addition to all of the other different things. So that was just the pumps that I read. That was about a third of the ingredients on this one Starbucks drink. And the best part, 
The best part, easily, is that the reaction to this is, well, you know, if you don't want to uh, make annoying drinks, don't work at a place that offers annoying customizable drink combinations, you dummy. <laughs> of course. I don't know what this says about the modern world, except that it's obviously worse than it was before that you could do app and internet ordering. And I think it makes you an obviously bad person if you do this sort of thing. And I, I, will, I will brook no dissent from that position. I, we got food from a place the other day or last week or something. And the, it was like a salad place. And the salad I wanted only was available with like the kale stuff. Okay. Like not purely kale, but it was like power greens or something. And if I were in the restaurant... I would have said, can I get regular lettuce instead of that? And that would have been fine, I'm sure. Right. But there was no option to do that on the app, so I just ate them. Right. <laughs> it's, it's fine. Yeah. I had a stomach ache later. It's fine. Nobody who has ever worked in this sort of situation is the person who does this thing without, like, dramatically overcompensating for the fact that they're doing that thing, right? Right. Because, like, somebody who places a Starbucks cup order that has fucking 19 different ingredients in it and then has it delivered to them had better be fucking tipping outrageously right. in any way that they possibly can. And that's but that's not, not the what case. these people are doing. Right, right. Yeah, I even if I was into this, there's no way I would make someone make that. I would just make that at home, like, just give me the basic stuff. I'm not trying to... Th this is too much. Just get black coffee is what I get. I mean, if you like the fancy stuff, get that too. But I would not do what I have trouble ordering because Bob and I make coffee at home. I don't order coffee so much that I don't know how to order coffee. And I'm like, uh, what? whoever's getting the coffee, I'll have what you're having. Oh, okay, just yeah. whatever you're doing. Just two of those. Yeah, two of those. I, don't want to screw this up. Right. Yeah, I so and I and I said just now that anybody who's ever worked in this sort of business would never be the person who does this. Yeah. But you did say that. I want to point out that I have had this sort of a feeling about service workers for as long as I can remember. This goes back to like me sitting in the passenger seat or the back seat of my mother's car when she's trying to order at a drive-through and she is terrible at ordering at a drive-thru. I don't know if she's improved maybe in the last 25 years, which is probably the last time that I had to endure my mother trying to order food at a drive-thru. Terrible as in uh, like, a lot of customizations or just no. indecisive? No, just like generally being bad at it. Like she thinks she's interacting, like, like the speaker is in some way either an alien or or an inconvenience <laughs> that shouldn't exist. Like, she knows that there's a person on the other end of it. Right. But she also is in a situation where she's like, I don't know how to do this. I Burger King? Like, this isn't me. I'm not the sort of person who would order at a Burger King. <laughs> so maybe if I come off as being very bad at this, you will recognize the fact that I'm not the sort of person who shops at a Burger King. So the worse <laughs> that I am at this sort of interaction, then the the more understanding you will be of the fact that I am not such an awful mom who would feed my children this oh, absolute I see. trash. Okay. So it's like uh, putting on a performance like this is uh, very atypical. I don't have any idea. She okay. might also just genuinely be terrible right. at 
at that sort of human interaction. Right. But my, my – I don't know. But I can remember sitting in the back seat just wanting to shrink into oblivion as my mother talked to the poor soul on the other end of the drive through speaker. And, and it's the same exact feeling that I have when I look at a Domino's receipt that has 47 different customizations on a single pizza or a Starbucks cup that has a sticker so long that it has to, like, wrap around to the other side. It's, uh, it's not a good feeling for me. Right. You also have a relatively complicated coffee order at coffee places. I do? Yeah. I just want a large iced coffee with a shot of espresso in it, and I will do all of the extra legwork required to but make it. But what if they don't let you? I, I don't want to do that. If if they won't let me do it or if I'm in a drive-thru, then it gets slightly more complicated. Yeah, but it's what pretty, if you're in a drive-thru? It's a pretty simple order. The largest or most – not largest because you go to some places and it's, at, <laughs> yeah. it's out of hand. Here's a gallon. But a relatively large iced coffee with a shot of espresso, cream, and one sweetener, whatever that sweetener is that you have back there that is acceptable to me. That's not crazy. Yeah. That's, That's I can say all of that. Anyway, I don't know. That sort of thing very much bothers me. I don't know if it bothers anyone else. I think menus are too big. That's what I think. You mean like too many options or just like too big? Yes, there's just too many options. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. Some places they have like a few. I agree with that, says the guy who has eaten nothing but grilled chicken and sweet potatoes (laughs) for the last nine years. Just keep it with simple. The, with the occasional dalliance into the peanut butter sandwich for, so, for nine months. So I go to the theater every now and again. And, you know, most of the time, I mean, I'm already paying for the membership. And so I don't get too many concession stuff because it, it'll get expensive if I do that every time. It, the concessions are all the money that the movie I theater know, makes. So I feel bad. So then occasionally yeah, I'll get stuff, right? And uh, the most recent one, I got one thing that they had on the menu and I was waiting and they came out and they're like oh my god we don't have the thing I was like just give me the other thing and they're like that's gonna be fine I was like yeah just give me whatever is the movie, first of all the movie is about to start so just let's go uh, right, right. and you I should don't have said, you should have said you should have said literally you, you should not have told me that and just brought me the, <laughs> the thing that was relatively close I to it and I literally would not have noticed right it's just like what different just come on it's food it'll be dark I'll eat it <laughs> Too much thinking about this food stuff. All right. So last week, the Food and Drug Administration, the the Joe Biden's FDA, has announced that they would like to ban menthol cigarettes. That's racist. And I had a I had a fairly intense reaction to it from a from a big government perspective that surprised me, in part because. Like old me, like ten years, like uh, Bob and Abe show. Bob would have been absolutely furious and and outraged about this particular story. And I thought that I was past that sort of uh, reaction to big government doing big things like this. But there's something about the way that they're framing it that struck a chord with me in a negative way. And it's the fact that instead of framing it strictly in terms of public health, like uh, gen- like general health outcomes, they insisted that this was about. Uh, social justice and and equity in an important way, and that really bummed me out. Right, the, when you sent the article, whatever it was, the whole framing around the topic was like this impacts black people more than others. And anecdotally, it, it must be true. I always see black people who smoke; they're always into this methanol or eth- whatever this thing is. I, I never understood methanol. why methanol. <laughs> <laughs> 
Menthol. It's a, it's a mint flavored cigarette. I never liked them. I only. It's but, not a mint flavor. Mint has menthol. It's a sensation. Right, but I mean, it, it's a minty situation. Okay. But they could have framed this in more than one way, and there was uh, Gottlieb, the guy who's been uh, mostly rational with uh, the the COVID stuff on CBS's uh, shows. He yeah tweeted out and and his framing was around seeking to ban this flavor that entice kids to initiate blah 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 basically if you framed it around that you would have a lot more buy-in but it seems like the whomever was deciding in the biden camp it's important that they frame it around this thing impacts black people more than other groups um, yeah, and focus on that. So there was like a, a choice that was made, and I'm not sure why they couldn't have accomplished what they want to help black people through the lens of kids g- get hooked quicker on these things. Like you could have done both. Right, and I thought that it was just a, a stereotype, but according to this article, this from the Washington Post, studies show that 85 percent of black smokers smoke menthol cigarettes which is like triple the rate uh of white smokers there there was some i don't hang around too many people that smoke these days but back in the days and then every now and again i would like bum a smoke somebody came to bum a smoke off of my friend who i was bumming a smoke off of and he was disappointed to find that he were all the people in this story are black but the person who had the cigarettes did not have one of these menthol type cigarettes like oh you have uh whatever mall, mall. i don't know these then all the names but regular like, right yeah regular, regular cigarette. cigarettes <laughs> he ended up getting the cigarette because he wanted to smoke anyways but people seek out these kind of things so i buy it and yeah fine if as it turns out maybe these brands were targeting for whatever reason like i, it, I can't even make it make sense in my head why Black people smoke menthols at such a disproportionate rate to the general population. It's one of just this like self fulfilling thing. It's like it's that's be, what you do. It's like a word of mouth kind of thing. Uh, yeah, because it's not a national like campaign you, targeting black people, right? It, yeah, but, you know, their friends right, do but, it. But and, at the same time, it doesn't surprise me at all if I were to find out that because I don't think even Virginia Slims are still a thing. But to find out that like ninety seven percent of People who smoke Virginia Slims are women would not be remotely surprising but to that, me. But wasn't like, that targeted toward that women? That was specifically marketed yeah. and targeted at – and what I didn't realize is that apparently menthol cigarettes for some reason – and I don't know what was driving the bus here, whether it was for whatever reason black smokers' initial preference was they were more likely to like menthol cigarettes than white people were or if it was the other way around where – the marketing department determined that what they wanted to do was create this whole separate brand identity for menthol cigarettes such that black people would like would would prefer them to regular cigarettes right i don't know what's driving the bus there but there's something about the fact that they want to ban menthol cigarettes because 85% of black smokers smoke menthol cigarettes it strikes me as like just overwhelmingly paternalistic right. and condescending yeah, to black people right. and I, it's weird for me to even have that take being an obviously not black person, <laughs> but it's, but it but is. I cannot imagine being a black smoker who likes menthol cigarettes and being at all like pleased with this as an outcome. Like, even, so if the FDA wants to say we're going to ban menthol cigarettes because the more flavorful 
a cigarette is, the more appealing it is to children. And in the long run, if children are smokers, then they become adult smokers and they have worse health outcomes for their entire life. Then I think as a black smoker, I would like, I'd be happier to swallow that, right? right? As like, yeah, I understand. But like if Uncle Joe and Kamala are going to be telling me, you can't have this thing that you like and that all of your friends like, that your whole, every smoker that you know only smokes menthol cigarettes, that strikes me as incredibly condescending. Right. And, and I don't know. I, that, that's why I think it's odd that they took this approach. They could have accomplished both things if they framed it with the first thing. Just, hey, kids, blah, blah, blah. And then it also impacts adults. Yeah. It strikes me as a very good example of listening to the activist class rather than listening to the rational people in the room who want to get stuff done, which is that I'm sure that there is a very healthy social justice activist uh, nonprofit group somewhere that is insisting that this is one of the main drivers of African-American health outcomes being at a great disparity to white outcomes, right? Which is that if – and if we can solve this – then we would solve some percentage of the disparity between black and white health outcomes, right? right? That that seems to be somebody on that end was driving the bus in that way, and for some reason they ran it all the way up the pole using that as the framing. Right. And I, I don't know to whose benefit that is besides that very vocal and small activist class. Right. A couple more things here in the WGAS news bag. Uh, Amazon is going to pay a billion dollars per season for the next 11 years for the exclusive broadcast rights to 15 Thursday night football games per season. So do Okay. I, do, do, do we have to have like an Amazon? If you have Amazon Prime, then you'll be able to watch... But I don't have to, the right? Thursday night. If I have Amazon Prime, I can still do other stuff? Right, you can still skip it. On Thursday nights. Amazing. Sounds like a good deal. There has not been a worse professional sports product yes. that I can think of off the top of my head than Thursday night football right. in the NFL. I don't know what it is about Thursday. It, it's not a night you watch yeah, football. Just, That's what it is about Thursday. We're want, not ready. Yeah, I just, We just did this for two days. <laughs> I just don't want to watch. I mean, I will watch if there's a team that I'm interested in, but like begrudgingly. I just don't like the, that schedule. But It's not right. Apparently, it's worth a lot it's of money. It's not right yeah. before a Friday. It's It screws up everything. I feel so strongly about <laughs> Thursday night football. A billion, eleven billion dollars. They're going to pay for the rights to broadcast fifteen games a year on Thursday nights. It's amazing how confident, because you're thinking, you know, with all of the streaming stuff and how things are changing, people are cutting the cord, so to speak, and doing other things. Amazon's like, no matter what happens, live sports, especially the NFL, is so stable that we can pay you a billion a clip for the next. 11 years right it becomes because it it becomes like a part of the brand or something right that right. oh we have thursday night football and i i do not get it and I, I and i don't know i don't know the specific details but i think if your local team is playing there are still rules in place yeah, that I the local team you, must be broadcast right. locally right so it's not like you would have to sign up for this if you're a giants fan you're not and you live in the tri-state right, area up the, there yeah. in the northeast you're going to be able to still watch the Giants game, whether you're an Amazon subscriber or not. Are we, what, 20 years away? Like, do you see any scenario where in the near future, while we're alive, 
where the Super Bowl will be streamed instead of being like a, a on ABC, NBC, CBS, you know, the, the the networks. I don't know. I think that the biggest chance of that is maybe ESPN might. But imagining ESPN doing it without simulcasting also, it on yeah. ABC, they, they so would There's it. a there's a silver lining to this because I had a feeling. I'll tell you why later. I th- so they have a bunch of different announcer options, and I the silver lining is maybe one day they'll do the thing that I've been wanting them to do, where you have like the intermediate broadcast, or you have the human interest broadcast. Right. Like that's what football needs. Degenerate gambler or the, cra- pro- the crowd noise. Bu- yes, de- yes, degenerate gambler, <laughs> shank zone. <laughs> Great. Just crowd noise. Like, cause at with this technology, if you're streaming it like this, you should be able to right. cycle like, yeah. through different. Pick your audio broadcasts. feed. Absolutely. Yes. Right. I assume that the the NFL would never allow a partner network to allow people to shit on the refs, but like. It'd be great if they could be more forthcoming about that. That was a terrible call. They usually try to tone that down. But if if there was some flexibility on that front, maybe I would watch a few more games on Thursday, but it's still weird. <laughs> yeah. Uh, speaking of large corporations wasting just unspeakable amounts of dollars, Verizon has sold Yahoo and AOL to an asset management firm called... Uh, Apollo Global Management. I did not know Verizon owned those companies in the first place. Yeah, so they bought AOL and Yahoo, I don't know, five-something years ago? A little more than that, maybe? I don't know. They spent over $8.5 billion acquiring those two properties and have now sold them. Yeah, so 2015, Verizon bought AOL for $4.4 billion and 2017 purchase of Yahoo for $4.5 billion. So almost $9 billion they spent acquiring Yikes. these two giant and early internet properties and sold them for a, a total of $5 billion wow. to this Apollo company, a private equity company. I mean, and have so you, that's a loss of almost $5 billion. I've never been on AOL in about 15 years, but every now and again somebody will send me a Yahoo story. Like sure, still, and I still. like I see a lot of Yahoo Sports content. I guess right. every now and then, I know that their fantasy department is still pumping out lots of fantasy leagues. And I saw that there's a paragraph in here about how one of the key properties for AOL at this point is a website called TechCrunch. Which yeah, I occasionally see a TechCrunch article like pop up in my Google News feed or whatever. Right. But the idea that that is somehow some significant part of a $5 billion purchasing agreement is just absurd. I mean, seriously, what else do they have? I mean, people still use their AOL email accounts? I mean, people use the thing, but I don't know that that's profitable in any way. I think that these private equity companies are just fucking flush right now and don't know what the hell to do with their money. And... Apparently, spending $5 billion on Yahoo and AOL is enough of a write-down that they think that they can chop these things to bits and, and flip them for more money in the in the long run. But I just – I cannot imagine that this pays off for them yeah. in a significant way. You, I mean the way that this usually works is that they strip all of the costs out of it and then try to uh, flip the brand for more. But $5 billion, man, like – George Lucas got ripped off, but he sold the Star Wars properties for four billion a few years ago. You know, like yeah, 
It's a, it's a lot of money. I mean, this happened within the last five, six years. I mean, the Yahoo and AOL purchases, like you said, so all the value loss has happened recently. So maybe they're thinking this is at the low point, and maybe you know, if we break it up, we can maybe make a billion off this. Yeah, but. But I'm trying to catch a falling knife here. Like, <laughs> I don't think you've quite caught the bottom here yet, <laughs> Apollo. But what do I know? You're the one with fucking $5 billion to blow on Yahoo. I would like a, a follow-up on the story in a few years to see. Yeah, It is sort of a perverse like relief to me that Verizon is getting out of the content business rather than trying to consolidate back into the content business, given my adverse feelings about these giant multinational tech companies just gobbling up more and more things. I'm sure this won't stop them. If they see another opportunity to you know, buy some other company up, they will. I guess. What else we got today? Real quick. Uh, Bill and Melinda Gates are getting divorced. Yes, that's true. You know, isn't there like a seven-year itch once you clear that hurdle is smooth sailing? So they're 27 years no. in. People get divorced all the time. 27 years. Yeah, that's a long time. That is a long time. I bet time. they're sick of each other, and they don't even see each other. Yeah, just continue that. I don't like the direction Lori is taking this conversation. <laughs> well, yeah, 27 years is... <laughs> yeah, but if you have one of the largest piles of assets ever compiled in all of human history, right, and you're either one of those two people, and you think, we could just, like split this up and go do literally anything else forever or we could continue on doing the same thing that we've done for the last 27 years like yeah you kind of go with the former right mm-hmm. like you, I, mean, I know you're a big status quo kind of <laughs> guy and babes also totally knows what being married and That's being right. rich is like <laughs> but, it's definitely i don't know it's it's so it, in, in my head, any thought experiment that I've done to play this out, it's like, well, what if we won the – it's like if, a, if the lottery gets significantly obscene, I will buy a lottery ticket because I have this stupid formula. I've probably described this on the show before. I have this stupid formula in my head where if the lottery is larger than the odds are of winning it against, then I will go buy a ticket. So like if you have a 1 in 187 million chance – of winning the Mega Millions and a ticket costs $2, then once the Mega Millions gets to like $375 million or whatever, once it's, once you have basically an even money chance. That's when you're getting good value. That's when you're getting, it's the (laughs) only way that you're getting good value. As long as you just buy one. Because in my head, if you just right, I'm not going and spending twenty dollars on the stupid lottery because it doesn't actually improve your chances in a meaningful way. The only thing that improves your chances in a meaningful way is going from zero tickets to one ticket, right? Like that's the big jump that you can make. Right. And there's some like I don't know the math here at all, but there's some like sunk cost thing in my head that says I don't need this two dollars really. Right. And if this two dollars could turn into Three hundred and seventy-five million dollars. Yeah, what? Like, what's the worst that could happen? Don't here? you? Maybe it's just me, but you, you, you wouldn't think that your life would be worse if you had that kind of money. So, yes, yeah, the we worst thing a, that could happen is you could win. That's the answer. <laughs> no, we live in because we live in one of these states money. where you cannot you cannot accept the money anonymously, which would be my preference, right. right? So, I also have this thing in my head 
where I think that if I won fucking half a billion dollars in the lottery or something, in addition to securing my life and future for my beautiful wife, who I would not divorce, and my children, because that's the thing, is Lori and I have never, I don't think, had this conversation. But I don't think I would want to get a divorce if no. we got... If we came into like some no. ungodly amount of money, no, you could like, never find someone else to marry you that you would right. like. Right, that's true. Um, <laughs> that's the reason. There's only only one. But I would also like. There's a part of me that would say, I don't need half a billion dollars. I don't know how much good I can do with half a billion dollars. Let me find someone who I trust. I will give them the ticket. You have to cut me a check for a hundred million dollars. Right. You keep. $400 million and all of the fucking awful fame and notoriety that comes with having won half a billion dollars in the lottery. And all I'm asking for is 20%. Right? I just want my 100 mil. I can live on that fairly comfortably from here on out. And I think that's the way to make sure that your life is not worse after having right. won the lottery. Yeah, it would have to be something like that because mostly I just want to be left alone and winning half a billion dollars would would not be helping me do that. I think you'd I think you'd be dead in like 18 months. I don't know how <laughs> I don't know what how it would happen or why, but I can just see you like on a hotel room floor with your face with your face in a large sub sandwich. No no longer breathing. He lived well. <laughs> By the way, I, we can uh, chalk this up to poor timing, but on that last week tonight show with John, what's his face? There was a, yeah. a segment they did, and they had Bill and Melinda Gates. And one of the questions was about this, you know, conspiracy theory about the chip in the vaccines and whatever. And instead of just dismissing it outright, Melinda jokingly was saying how. That technology is not available yet, you know, and and Bill has not mentioned anything about it. And he looked uh, displeased by her uh, cavalier response. And the next day, the divorce came about. I'm like, amazing. (laughs) I was like, yeah. It would be really funny if in like 18 months he announces the new technology. And it, he really was just pissed at her for, for letting it slip on HBO. Because it is a weird joke to make, you know, the wife. You think she's heard this these conspiracy th- stories so many times, she wouldn't find it funny anymore. But Yeah, I don't know about having more money than God and then deciding at, what is he, in his mid, they're in their mid to late 60s, I imagine, something like that. Right. Deciding to give up on the marriage or whatever language it is that they're going to use. It's sort of a bummer, and I don't know these people, but there's something about that that makes me feel sad. You always get sad when people get divorced. That's true. It's usually a great thing. Yeah. But, like, Jeff Bezos is, like, a demon type of human being, so it doesn't bother me <laughs> that it turns out that that he got a divorce. Like, Bill Gates, all the conspiracy theorizing aside, like, I've enjoyed Bill Gates when I've read articles about him and watched interviews about him and that— that fucking propagandistic HBO documentary or Netflix documentary that came out a couple of years ago. Oh, I didn't catch it. I enjoyed that. I know he's a fucking weirdo. I know he's like, whatever. You can't have $140 billion and not be a weirdo. Right. You can't have succeeded in the way that he has in this system without being a weirdo. But at the same time, he seems at least very, in a front-facing sort of way, very concerned with seeming like a good person. And, and even if you're just pretending to be a good person... That strikes me as 
as good in a way. Like all the things that he's he wants to do. a episode about that. He wants to turn poop into water. Like that's good. <laughs> he wants he wants to turn he wants to eliminate malaria. That's good. Yeah. Like maybe he's secretly evil and implanting us all with microchips, but I have my doubts about that. All right. Anything else here in the newscast we need to worry about? Probably not. Oh, that. Uh, how did you come across that Ukrainian online guy? Oh, I don't know. It was in, I found it in the Times. So there's the there's a guy in forget where exactly he is. He's just on the internet, which is he, all that matters. He's a six foot five inch uh, Ukrainian man who spent some time in prison who sells a lot of sunglasses on the uh, internet. But yeah. well, what's interesting is that. At least initially, in the early days, like 10 years ago, he was gaming Google's search algorithm to where he would agitate the customers that he screwed over. Right. What he realized is that the more reviews you get, the higher in the Google algorithm uh, will be your search returns. Right. And it doesn't matter if you got good reviews <laughs> Which or is bad reviews. So if a hundred people he are found <laughs> that it's way easier to get bad reviews than good reviews, which makes a certain kind of sense, obviously. If he was a slightly more sophisticated person, he could have gotten away with this. I mean, he still kind of got. I don't even understand how this person keeps on going to jail and he's being told stop doing it, and then making slight changes to the website and the name. Right. He resumes the same thing. There are a lot of things that are my favorite part about this story, but the fact that he keeps coming back to sunglasses in particular <laughs> is is maybe my favorite part, right? right? Because you would think like, okay, I did sunglasses, let's do purses this time or right. something like that, like change it up. But he's got this fixation on pissing people off by selling them counterfeit sunglasses. But and not, not to victim blame, but I want to know, I don't know much about pricing because I don't have sunglasses, right? Uh, but whatever sunglasses these people are looking for, these online shoppers, how much off is it? Like, First of all, bullshit not to victim blame. It is perfectly acceptable to victim blame. And that was what drew me into this story. The reason that I read it from top to bottom is not that I wanted to learn about this bogus sunglasses magnate from the internet who goes to prison every three years because he can't stop selling counterfeit sunglasses online like some fucking sicko sex addict. But his thing is selling sunglasses to idiots on the internet. Uh, But what really drew me in was finding out that the first customer that they're profiling as somebody who's a so-called victim of this fucking Vitaly character is that she owns 20 or more different pair of Chanel sunglasses, which when you go and you Google around for... Like and go to the official manufacturer's website for Chanel, retail for anywhere from between like five hundred dollars right. each yeah. to like a thousand and fifteen and upwards of fifteen hundred dollars a pair. And she owns twenty. So she's like heavily invested in Chanel at a minimum of like ten grand already. Right. And she's trying to buy them cheap off of eyeglassesdepot.co.uk. Whatever. Uh, but that's what I'm saying. For three hundred and twenty-two dollars. They retail for that much more, and you are shopping online, and you come across a shady-looking website. Yeah, they're fake. You can't expect any more than fake, right? I mean, yeah. how do you think this works? Like, this person is buying it for 500 and selling it to you for 300 How is he making right. any money? 
When the glasses finally arrived three weeks late, they were the wrong color and, worse, they appeared to be fakes. One giveaway? There was no Chanel box, <laughs> dust bag, or certificate of authenticity. I own about 20 pairs of Chanel glasses, and these were, these were much lighter and flimsier, she said in a recent interview. I didn't bother to bring them to an expert to verify I was right. I just asked to send them back. And so began a weeks-long barrage of emails, texts, and late-night phone calls from someone identified to her only as Arsenio. He seemed to cycle quickly through the three stages of retail grief, starting with denial. It's not supposed to come with a box, he emailed on December 10th. This is not Macy's. Bargaining? Why don't you keep it for $50 off, okay? He wrote the same day. And anger. The anger erupted soon after Miss Berenger posted negative comments about Eyeglasses Depot on a consumer review site called Trustpilot. As part of a campaign to bully her into taking down the review, Arsenio sent an email that stated, This is my final warning to you, and threatened to file a defamation lawsuit in New York State Supreme Court if the comments weren't deleted. It was Christmas Day. I'm a family law attorney, and I deal with distraught and emotional people and very contested issues, Miss Berenger said. I've never experienced anything like this in a professional setting, let alone from a guy I was trying to buy sunglasses from. What I'm saying is there are no good people in this story. I, I, <laughs> he's probably... He, so he's still selling online, despite what the judge... And others have told them not to do. It's amazing. You know, John Oliver's got his show, and he gets his uh, big HBO fuck you money that he can spend all... Yeah, he gets, like, explosives, and he spends money on a bunch of stupid shit. If we had anything like that, that sort of a budget here, yeah. wouldn't you want to buy a bunch of Vitaly Borker's <laughs> uh, sunglasses <laughs> and find out what that experience is like? That would be something. He's like threatening to kill people online because they posted negative reviews also, in the hopes that they will post more negative reviews. I've never, about I've never heard of Trustpilot. You know, it sounded like a, this whole article was just like a promotion for this Trustpilot thing. Have you ever heard of this? No, not before today. I'd never heard of okay. Trustpilot, and apparently they get like millions upon millions right. of it seemed like this customer guy reviews. Was not bothered at all by anything except for negative reviews on this trust pilot he has such affinity for this website that he would threaten you with murder and other <laughs> things to, to get you to take I'll it post down. a link to the story over in the show notes it reminded me and it's it's funny because it's a lot like what we're talking about and have been talking about with like last week we were talking about Taylor Lorenz and that story about how Jake Paul continues to get views despite uh, being a controversial and obnoxious asshole online as though somehow that wasn't the entire right. point. Right. Right. This past week it was leaked or announced or however they did it that Elon Musk is going to host Saturday Night Live. Is it this week or maybe the week after weekend. that? I think it happened already. It has not happened yet. Oh, okay. But yeah, I think it's this weekend. The whole point of that, and people like people got mad, and they they did their usual like this is not okay thing because Why is it? He, Elon he can't has act for shit. Well, I'm sure he's not funny. Like he's he's bad on Twitter. He's like he's not weird, yeah. as funny as he, he he sometimes gets off a good one just because the world is dumb and it allows for dumb people even to get off a good one. But 
But whatever. Like, people have very polarized views about Elon Musk because he has a fuck ton of money and he's an obvious sort of fraud and huckster, but also dreams super fucking big. Right. And so people just love that combination. If the last five years has told us nothing. <laughs> but people got super upset at SNL for doing such a thing as bringing Elon Musk on, as if the whole fucking point wasn't just to try to generate controversy or generate buzz right. and conversation about the fact that Elon Musk was going to be like, it doesn't matter whether or not the sketches are any good right. it doesn't matter whether or not it's funny the whole point was to generate buzz about saturday night live and more people are going to watch it right. this weekend than have watched saturday night live in two or three years probably right. and it will be a big success for the show no matter the stupid political impl right. implications and they'll likely if, if it turns out that he is a, a shitty of an actor as i think he will be he'll do the the monologue put him in one skit and then he'll be an extra for the rest just kind of bury him the rest of the way. Like they do right. with some actors who can't, or, you know, celebrities. You've been listening to Cast Iron Brains, a podcast with Bob and Abe. You can find the show on Facebook or Twitter. You can head over to the website at brainiron.com. The best way to find all of that information is to just open up your podcast app and click open the episode note there. The opening and closing themes of the show were composed by... Mark Gillig. What did, we, what did we watch the last couple of days? We uh, Lots of Law and Order. Oh, yeah. On Sunday, we just turned on a Law and Order marathon. What? On We, on the We channel. The We channel. Where I learned there's a show about strippers called Beyond the Pole. Be which is like Life After perfect, the Pole? N n yes, but Beyond the Pale is the expression. And oh, Beyond the Pole is the name of the show, which is like... Also, you, you couldn't call that show Beyond the Pale because that would be racist. Stop it. <laughs> um. Real quick before we go, I did want to briefly mention the Jeopardy thing. Oh, yeah. Did you see the, did you see the Jeopardy thing? Are we still doing this? I thought the, the whole thing is gone with the, the... I have a headache. Do we have to talk about we Jeopardy? We can wrap it up. Well, this will be fast. This guy was a three-time champion on Jeopardy. Three times. And the first... Right. The first time he comes back, he holds up the number one right. because he's he's won the show one time. He comes back again. He holds up the number two because he's he's won the show twice. And the third time he's he holds the the three up, right. but he's holding it with his pinky, his ring finger and his middle finger. Like and he's, Katie. He's holding it against his chest. Oh, that's not good. Is it? Like it, first of all, is that not good. So this is a white supremacist gesture, yeah. apparently, because if you if you hold it up like yeah. this, it says W and then an upside down P, P right. I guess, is the idea, which really it just says WD right. or WB, <laughs> depending on your how you're arranged. I don't understand why uh, that's a thing. I think I mentioned this when this first came up. In the NBA, when certain players make a three or make a, a, a number of threes, they do the three. They hold up yeah. the OK sign because it's th it's a way of signifying three. Right. Right. It doesn't. So he, he actually got shit for it. Like he did this whole ruse. I'm going to win three times. Some some 500 former Jeopardy contestants sent a open letter to the producers over at Merv Griffin Enterprises or whoever the hell it is that runs Jeopardy. Demanding some sort of uh, retribution and apology and fix for the fact that this guy was allowed to air a white supremacist a white supremacist symbol 
on their airwaves. I suspect that uh, whoever is behind this uh, sent the letters to these 500 people saying this person did a white supremacist thing, kind of like leading a witness kind of thing. And they're like, well, I'm against yeah. that. And so they, you know, they already formed the opinion for them and they just are responding to it. I don't think that. What's be- amazing is that is that these people say it doesn't matter whether or not he did it on purpose or whether or not he knew what he was doing. So there's two camps on this on this side, which says, on the one side they say it is obvious that he did it on purpose. Nobody does it that way. Everybody is the same as me and knows that that's a white supremacist symbol. So the only way that he could have possibly flashed that sign is if he was deep in his bones a white supremacist. And then the alternative take is. It doesn't matter at all whether or not he knew what he was doing because it is a known thing among the people in my community or whatever that it is unacceptable that it was aired in any form or fashion. That's ridiculous. Which is just completely incoherent as a way of actually like being in the world. And again, it's not some random thing. I've seen people just do that generally and it's not like white people doing it to each other. People use that all the time. Right. And also it started out as an ironic thing. Like the whole thing was a joke to begin with. It was people pretending that this meant something that it didn't actually mean. And then it gets double back reverse jinxed or whatever. And it becomes the actual thing in a very, very stupid way, which is not to say that bad people and assholes don't use this now as a thing to signify their allegiance to some half-baked ideology, but to suggest that just because you happen to see it in passing, that you are somehow victimized by it is absolutely insane. And it's compounded by the fact that apparently he said the word gypsy as a response to a call where he should have, like an answer where he should have said the people of Roma was the preferred response. Did did Jeopardy accept the answer? No. So Anderson Cooper pauses and says... We wanted to acknowledge that that is considered by some to be a hurtful term, and instead the answer we were looking for is the people of Roma. But earlier – and then earlier tonight, I happened to use the word gypped and realized only afterwards that – like that is the sort of thing that can get you in trouble now is because the word gypped is from the word gypsy, which is itself now considered unacceptable to use for – Sure, some perfectly defensible reasons, right? Is that it's become associated with negative stereotypes of a certain kind of people. You don't want to go on perpetuating that. But the idea that somehow someone trying to answer a gypsy or answer a Jeopardy clue is going to slip in this reference to the gypsy people in a way that reveals his secret bigotry as a signal to his people or whatever is just completely patently insane and their solution for it was that they should have stopped the taping and retaped that segment with the gypsy part not aired right (laughs) instead of taking the opportunity for anderson cooper to to use it as a so-called teachable moment Right. right where it's it's obvious to me that in excess of half of the people watching did not know that it's not okay to call people gypsies anymore, right. that that they thought that it was just a way of calling people people, right? right? And then Anderson Cooper takes that as a moment to explain to people that we don't do that anymore. Right. And that is unacceptable, that even, even acknowledging that it was a past harm, it's, it gets into like crazy land where you're not allowed to refer to the N-word as the N-word right. rather than actually spelling the word out or whatever. I think – it would be better if people just pr- pretended that these people didn't matter. Because I, I don't 
think that they're making these arguments in good faith anymore. They're just coming up with a. Well, of course they're not making the arguments in good faith. But like, like so, Barry Weiss, take her or leave her in terms of her writing. A smart thing that she has said is that the final editor at the New York Times these days is is the website Twitter.com, right? That ultimately they have to pay a certain amount of attention to what the reaction is going to be from the absolute worst, most insane maximalists right. in the conversation, right? right? That, that That's how you get – and we didn't talk about this, but that's how you get the phrase vaccine apartheid trending on Twitter – in reference to Biden administration policies, right? <laughs> Which is that you allow the absolute most insane maximalists to take over the conversation. Right. And that's what the entire media e- ecosystem is designed to do. Damn Twitter. Anyway, you've been listening, blah, 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 blah. We did all that. Um, I think that's it. Abe, do you... almost uh, had a nice time tonight. Do you have anything else for us tonight? I do, actually, Bob. Um Ten years ago and two days ago, on May 1st, 2011, the United States Navy SEALs executed an operation codenamed Neptune Spear that resulted in the killing of alleged 9-11 mastermind (laughs) and overall 40-pants-having dude Osama bin Laden. Everybody knows this. Uh, You know, Obama went on TV, did the whole thing. Uh, What many might not remember is that The Rock tweeted out a teaser of the night's big news before any news leaks through traditional outlets. President Obama gave a live late Sunday night address from the White House to confirm the news. People celebrated in the streets. Chants of USA, USA, USA broke out at the Sunday night Mets-Phillies game. But the best announcement of all was when John Cena, another pro wrestler uh, who would eventually turn into a movie star of sorts, um, told the crowd at a live wrestling event this. I walk out here every night with hustle, loyalty, respect on my sleeve. That is a credo I have adopted for the men and women who defend the freedom of this country. We have caught and compromised to a permanent end Osama bin Laden. What a weird framing. (laughs) Compromise to a permanent end. It's a man holding a championship belt in jorts and no shirt. At an event called Extreme Rules. This is something tonight. But I feel damn proud to be an American. He then drops the mic, and I'll post this video. <laughs> Stepped on the musical cue there. And, this and his- shakes hands with people in the front row, <laughs> as though he himself <laughs> has executed a raid <laughs> that compromised and killed Osama bin Laden. Wait for it. he feels looking back on that sure he feels great about it i think that's all we've got for tonight and we will talk to you next time later
Cast Iron Brains, a podcast that believes two perhaps seemingly contradictory things. One, that physical determinism is a central and unavoidable law of the universe. And two, I don't know how to do this podcast. This isn't me. I'm not the sort of person who would podcast. So maybe if I come off as being very bad at this, you will recognize the fact that I'm not the sort of person who podcasts. So the worse that I am at this sort of interaction, then the, the more understanding you will be of the fact that I am not such an awful Bob who would feed my children this absolute trash. I wonder how he feels looking back on that. this bogus sunglasses magnate from the internet who <laughs> goes to prison every he three years three because he year. can't stop selling counterfeit sunglasses online like some fucking sicko sex addict but his thing is selling sunglasses to idiots on the internet uh, but what really drew me in god has no plan or if he does it certainly cannot be understood to be a very good plan by any reasonable measure like oh god what does this person want like does this person know what they've done and what fiendish cocksucker people went home they talked it over with the wife and they're like oh let's do full season two tickets take the kids wow. out sell i mean nothing will probably come of it but at least that's the sales pitch worked i, I, I won't include this in, i won't include things. this in the podcast but that's got to be <laughs> lump yum right? <laughs> yeah <laughs> anyways the worst thing about uh, think the, about think about what this could do for the brand honey the instagram <laughs> brand we get so many more likes if i had the hawks hashtags What a wonderful day for Canada, and therefore, of course, the wealth. And I don't even know what happened. I was so upset.